Welcome to the Small Business Matters Podcast, the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton, the founder, chief evangelist for Small Business Matters. I'm the host for this podcast. My co-host is Taylor Fulton, the director of marketing for Small Business Matters. Taylor, welcome to the show. Glad to be here again. Looking forward to another great conversation. We do. We've got a, a great guest for today's podcast, Brian Gray. You know, Taylor, so many of the clients that I work with, Vistage members and coaching clients, you know, the, the question always comes back to how do I grow this business? How do I get more customers? How do I get more business from my existing customers? How do I figure out how they're thinking? And that, that's such a big issue and an opportunity in, in marketing today. Absolutely. Marketing seems to be an ever, ever evolving practice and, and ones that I think a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs frankly struggle with. So uh, I'm really looking forward to our conversation with Brian. So Taylor, uh, I met Brian Gray a couple of months ago. He was kind enough to uh, speak at the Small Business Matters luncheon in March and we had a full house and they loved his presentation and lots of good takeaway Lots of good good questions. So I'm very pleased to welcome uh, Brian Gray, the CEO of the Revenue Path Group, uh, with us today. Brian, welcome. Yay! Thanks, Tim and Taylor. I appreciate uh, you having me this evening, and uh, look forward to a great uh, great time together. Taylor, as I mentioned, uh, Brian is the CEO of the Revenue Path Group. Prior to this, he led two businesses to the Inc. 500 list, which is you know the fastest growing companies. As I mentioned, was with us for the Small Business Matters lunch in March. He uh, helps companies figure out revenue growth and has been doing that for a while, and, and that's going to be the focus of our attention today. So, Brian, let's start this off. Our first question, always the same for each of our guests. What is it that you do that matters to small business? That's a, a great way to start. I think what we do that matters and what's important is helping them stay relevant in a world that seems to be uh, changing faster than ever. Maintaining some degree of advantage over your direct competitors is, is really, really important. And I think that the work that we do is helping firms really understand their unique value and connect it to the prospect's brain in a way that makes sense and drives better, faster conversion. That's great. And I'm, I'm looking forward to diving in deeper in, in each of those. I, Brian, I staggered through your, your bio. I want to give our listeners a, a more thorough introduction to your background. How did you get to where you are today in your career? Well, I think this fits the audience well. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I started the baseball card shop when I was 14 years old. And I always knew I wanted to get into sales. I love taking ideas of a different way of doing something or something that's fresh and unique and just giving it everything you've got and in, in seeing what you can make happen, which I believe is the driver behind most entrepreneurs and small businesses that evolve into something much more significant. So I've been in, in every single audience member's shoes uh, multiple times. And I feel like I had this innate sense of, of what it takes to get you over that hump where the ideas and visions in your head are much stronger than what the, the current market sees. And in having that perseverance and that passion and that spirit to, to keep going when it's easier to quit uh, is, is a bridge that everyone needs to get past. And I, and I feel that, you know, after, you know, I'm 52 years old, so I've been doing this for a long, long time. And I, I just feel I, I love giving back and sharing insights to help people because it's, it's a tough spot to be when you're a, a striving entrepreneur, 
uh, with an emerging business that you really need to have the world see what you've been seeing in your head for years. Ryan, tell us a little bit about what you do at Revenue Path Group and how that helps your customers. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Taylor. The um, I think let's let's start back with what we call this moment of truth, and and, I, and I'll, I'll touch on some dynamics and some real challenges I think we face in the world today. And we call those the three deadly C's. We're all faced with this, especially in, in business to business sales, which I'm imagining probably over half your audiences in sure, sure. this world. And we call them the three deadly C's, and those are commoditization, consensus decision making, and compressed selling time. Commoditization, everyone looks, sounds, and acts the same in your prospect's mind. And if everyone looks, sounds, and acts the same, then guess what? Prices become the driving factor. And that's that's really a challenge. Second, Consensus decision-making. Decision-making teams keep getting bigger and bigger. And I read recently that the average decision-making team is nearly seven people. And we'll talk about the, the pains and how we need to overcome that second deadly C. The third is compressed selling time. And for those of us, Taylor, you're not, you've not witnessed this, but Tim and I did, I know for sure. We started actually working before the internet was developed, which is a mind-blowing thing to think about, right? But there was a world where we, we earned business because we showed up on time. We said please and thank you. And we had really good habits. Now, what's happening is your prospect is ignoring you for the first 70% of their buying journey. And then when they do bring you in, they think you're just like all the other two or three groups they want to talk to. And as a business owner, that puts you in a really, really tough spot. So the, the spot we start is – what we call that moment of truth, where they're bringing you and two or three other similarly sounding firms, and they want to know, hey, Taylor, why should we choose you? I've got three other groups that want my business, and guess what? I've got a decision-making team of seven people. You know what? The easiest thing for me to do is nothing or stay with an incumbent. Now go. Why should we choose you, and why should we choose you now? And, and that's a really hard question to answer, and I, and I hope we get a chance tonight to, to kind of dig in that a bit deeper. But where we start is there, because if you can't answer clearly why you and why now at that moment of truth, nothing you can do will help you get in the meeting sooner and help you win those opportunities. So we start that critical moment, and then we help groups better understand how to connect this value in all their marketing efforts, all their speaking engagements, and everything that they do to drive more attraction to get them to listen to you because it's so hard to get people's attention today. Well, Brian, let, let's dig into that a little bit deeper. So. I love what you're talking about in terms of the, the commoditization of services because unless you're a really unique business or a brand new product or service, you're facing sort of that commoditization challenge. So in terms of key differentiators, what is a small business left to do or what are the options in terms of differentiators? Yeah, what's really interesting about this is you're exactly right that, that it's not what you think and believe, it's, it's how your prospect perceives you against all your other similarly sounding firms. And, and I know we all know that there's a lot of sameness and similarities out there. But if you really understood how the brain makes a buying decision, which we'll talk about as well, you can actually start framing your value and impact in a way that does drive separation, even if technically speaking, you're very similar to your, your competitors. So the way we want to do that is we really need to understand who on the buyer's side is involved in making a decision. Not just they can say yes, but who can say no. And what's really important to understand, we call it whether it's building out personas, but we want to understand who's involved in the process and who do you really want involved in that process. And when you understand the positions and people that are involved, it's really helpful to think through what pains, threats, and fears do they drag around with them all day, every day. 
because they lie at the, the, the subconscious level and they never quite go away. And it's going to be up to you to help surface those and connect what you do to help solve those for them. So understand who's on the buying team. Understand the pains, threats, and fears that they deal with on a, on a daily basis. And then identify how your solution can actually help them impact those pains, threats, and fears at a deep-rooted level. It, it takes your thinking about your impact to a much deeper, visceral level, which is going to be really, really important because that's really what wakes up the brain. It actually starts developing fast trust with you versus your competition. Brian, I'm fascinated by this this idea of really understanding your customers and, and, and use the word the, the persona. Would you mind giving us an example of that, of, of maybe a client that you've worked with where you were able, really able to zero in on kind of the demographics, psychographics, really understanding the customer? Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you what, what really, really matters is to, to us is the decisioning process they go through. Because I, and, and I, I know that gender and age and uh, those type of uh, psychographics matter and demographics matter. But really what we like to understand is, is the personas and, and the challenges and threats and what they have to deal with on a day-in, day-out basis. Um, knowing that, that, that the part of the brain that makes decisions is not a real articulate or even intellectual part of the brain. It's called the limbic structure. And the limbic brain is really focused on eliminating pains, threats, and fears. So what's important to understand is who the decision makers are individually, but also what challenges and threats their position puts upon them on a day in and day out basis. Knowing that the deciding part of the brain is always scanning to find ways to stay out of danger, out of trouble, we need to understand who our decision makers are, what kind of decisioning process they go through against the pains and threats they currently deal with. And what we start evolving into, we call these buyer journeys. Knowing that, that, that we go through a, a decisioning ladder or process to make a buying decision, it's important to understand what we need to understand at every rung of that ladder to help us convert to that next step of making a decision. So understand who the audience member is, what their position is, what challenges they currently deal with on a day-to-day basis, and then more importantly, how they make a buying decision is extremely insightful. You don't have to spend a lot of money to do that. It takes time and effort and energy. But in a world where everybody sounds, looks, and acts the same, it's really a matter of survival and thriving to really understand those. Taylor, I'll tell you, this this resonates so much with me when I, you know, I think of the clients that I work with and they either spend very little time understanding this or they just get it wrong, one or the other. What are some of the mistakes, Brian, that you see as, as companies begin to go down this path? What are some of the mistakes that they make? I think there's a couple things they do. I, I, don't, I think that they stop too soon on the real impact of what they're doing. And you, you know, that old, that old day of, you know, don't sell features, sell benefits, right? But the, what you really want to do is sell to the payoff to the benefits and go to the opposite side of that, right? That, you know, the old, that old saying, you're not selling drill bits, you're selling holes, holes in the wall, right? You're selling the work product to be done. I don't think we stop there. Right? It's, it's not, it's not the, the hole that you're buying. You're actually buying the fact that you can get that shelf off the floor and actually on the wall to get, to get it out of your way, right? And then you can say, well, it's even further step than that. It's like, yeah, you could say that I'm getting this work done so that, that my wife is happy with me for actually getting some work done because she's been on me for a long time about it, right? 
You can take a step further than that. The reason I'm really getting this on the wall is because I'm tired of getting in trouble for not doing this, right? So it's, it's almost like identifying how, how much of an impact you can really have on an organization. And I think most of us stop way too short. And here's a little trick or tip. When you're trying to identify value for somebody and what you do, always ask yourself, so what, then what? Because the reality is you could say, uh, I bought this drill, but so what? So I can put a hole in my wall. Well, so what So what does that do for you? Well, it allows me to get this shelf off the floor that has been sitting here for three months. Well, so what, right? Then what? So I always, I always challenge people to keep uh, asking themselves, well, so what? Well, so what? Because if you keep going further and further, you're going to get actually closer to your prospect's pain, which is the real reason that they're going to want to buy from you anyway. Brian, one of the things you said earlier, which really resonates with me as a marketer, is that 70% of that, that buyer's journey, <clears throat> the company or the business owner is being completely ignored. What, what can sales reps or business owners do to grab attention and, and get their name out there? Yeah, that's, that's uh, very insightful. I, I think that it all goes back to that, that moment of truth, right? You Knowing that 70% that of the journey is done, and, and this is for us older guys, I hate saying that, for us older guys, Right. In the old days, we had complete control of the buying process because we were actually information distributors. Right. The, the prospect needed us to call on them because there was no real other place to get information. So you now have this the Internet taking over where I can get all the research. I can download webinars. I can read books, all those those things. And they're not going to let you in because you're not really adding any value. But if you start at that moment of truth, remember the moment of truth, two questions. Why should I choose you and why should I choose you now? If you're able to answer the why you, why now, what that does, Taylor, is it allows us to start creating the right kinds of insights to get conversations so we can get in sooner. Because just because they're prone to ignore you for the first 70%, by no means do you surrender or give up. But you do need to have a compelling reason why they would want to take a meeting with you. So what we don't want to do is what most marketing does, and that's just market to establish demand. Hey, when you're looking for a website, give us a call. Hey, when you need a, a new packaging supplier, let us know. Uh, they're not, they're not going to let you in. But what kind of insights can you create that are rooted in your why you and why now that speak to their pains and threats? Then they're more prone to take a meeting with you. So we have to really have a take, right? As Jim Rome, the, the <laughs> sports radio guy, said, have to take and don't suck, right? And you, you've got to show up with a point of view. Uh, where you actually add value for them to want to invite you in. So hard work, but it's crucial and it's essential. And that's why it all comes back to those those two simple questions. Why should I choose you and why should I choose you now? Now, if, if I could, I'd like to go a little bit deeper on, on both those questions. The why you is pretty obvious, right? Why you versus your other competitors that seem to look, sound, and act the same. But one thing we didn't talk about is that as decision-making teams are getting bigger, Everyone is bringing their own priorities to the table. So you're trying to win over a room full of six people. That is nearly impossible to do, which is why they stay with the incumbent or do nothing the majority of the time. Because it's hard, 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 hard to get that many people all committed to making a change. So have you ever won the battle but lost the war? Hey, Taylor, we, we liked your proposal better than the others. I think it was great. Uh, but the bad news is we're not going to do anything for the next five months because we've got all these other things we have to take care of first. So 
while you may have beaten your competitors, but you weren't able to establish priority as to why should you do this now. And that's why it's really, really important to understand the pains and threats back to the personas of those folks in the room. Because if I understand what pains and threats lie below the surface, I can then connect what I'm doing and why I'm doing it to really, really attack those to drive priority. Because you're competing with every other solution, potential, uh, an opportunity they're considering at that moment in time. And that's why it's really hard to unseat incumbents. And the easiest thing for groups to do is nothing. So it really sounds like your, your recommendation, your strategy is very both marketing and sales intensive. And in, in some companies, that's the same group. But in many, those are two separate divisions. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how does marketing and sales communicate and collaborate to make this all one seamless process? Yeah, that, that's a, a great take there, Taylor, because uh, the world, you, you cannot be successful if you're creating friction. And I think that the problem with marketing and sales being disconnected is there's an inherent friction that occurs. And I think that the way you have to look at this as you have to look at this as revenue, a revenue path and, a, and one journey. The problem with being separate is that we misallocate resources, we misallocate responsibilities. And you look at most marketing groups, their job really ends at a lead, right? Here are the leads, now go close them. Well, if you don't see this thing all the way through to a sale, you're missing the real opportunities. Remember earlier, I talked about hitting that, that moment of truth, right? You walk into a room, Taylor, there's six people sitting with their arms folded, all looking at you squarely in the eye. <laughs> and they're asking you two questions, Taylor. Why should we choose you and why should we choose you now? And once you have that answer, what if your marketing group now had that answered? Couldn't their marketing solutions be much more effective on point and actually drive real better conversations? So, you know, we like and we insist on this being combined together because just, there's too much infighting and, and the prospects will have none of it. Brian, I know many of our listeners are really interested in this area of, of neuromarketing, how the brain interprets marketing messages, and, and you've referenced this already. So in, with your experience, what are maybe some examples of, of messages that, that tend to resonate with the part of the brain that makes decisions, or even the flip side, what is it that we could communicate that would maybe turn off this part of the brain that makes these big decisions? Yeah, great question. So the brain, let's, let's break into two simple components. You have the neocortex, which is where all logic and critical thinking occurs, and you have the limbic structure. The limbic structure is comprised of the reptilian in the middle brain. The limbic brain is where 90% of all decisioning happens, but we tend to think that the logical part of the brain is in charge. It's not. And there, in fact, there's, there are all kinds of books out there talking about that very thing. Where we get into trouble is where we try to use logic and data to actually convince and persuade, and it doesn't work. 90% of all decisions happen at the limbic brain level. The limbic brain doesn't know how to read. The limbic brain uh, makes very, very fast decisions and rarely learns. The limbic brain is insanely focused on eliminating pains, threats, and fears, and it falls for a great story every time. The limbic brain is the brain that drives you home after a long day at the office and you don't remember the drive at all. The limbic brain is also the brain where you're walking through the woods on a nice, quiet day with your kids and you stumble across a stick, but your limbic brain instantly thinks it's a snake, and you jump back, right? But has it ever happened to you more than once? 
probably has, which means the limbic brain doesn't learn. The limbic brain is also the brain's in charge when you're watching a scary movie and you're, you're at, your, at your wit's end, you can't take it anymore. And you have to logically say to yourself, that's just a movie. That's not real. So the limbic brain controls so much of our decisioning. Now, what does it care about? Eliminating pain, threats, and fears and foster a great story. So how do you properly communicate to the limbic brain? Well, first of all, you use as few words as possible. You want to use visuals. You want to use challenging questions that quickly speak to a pain or threat that the prospect has. That's the way to start driving better conversation. In fact, if we have time, I, we could talk about the presentation and some do's and don'ts at the beginning of your presentation. Now, where it goes wrong is where we try to inundate the prospect with information or we start presenting too much logic too soon because it's too much effort to critically think through that and we tend to ignore it. In fact, many think that if I just send more information, it'll help persuade Taylor to meet with me. It actually has the opposite effect. More information doesn't help you at all. In fact, it actually confuses the situation. And what I know about a confused brain, it either doesn't make a decision or it'll commoditize you. So the key is to drive prescriptions and not just over inundate with logic, information, facts, and figures. Brian, for most small business owners, the, the resources are, are fairly limited in terms of how they gather data and the market research they can put together about their audience. What are some, some simple tools or resources they could turn to to help better understand their audience and, and kind of better understand that decision-making process? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that the, well, I would recommend a couple things. And, and you're right. And it, this is not some, I, I really like to teach a do it yourself model because it's hard to do, but it's not complicated. Um, but the first thing, if I were, if I were a small business owner and, and I'm, I'm tired of, of sounding and looking like everyone else, I, I want you to understand a couple things. Number one, um, you've got to realize that decisions are made in teams. It might be two people, three people, five people, or seven people. Knowing that in the average B2B sale, it's 6.8 decision makers. You, you need to understand who is really part of that decision-making team and who could actually say no because I want them in that room as well. And what I mean by that room is that we have to think in terms of gathering everyone together to talk about my proposal. And this makes some people uncomfortable because they'd rather talk to somebody, give them a price quote, and hope all works out. That's not going to work. So we have to continually push to bring everybody in the room at the same time. Now, once you know your why, you why now, you have real compelling reasons for them to get there, and actually they'll want to get there on their own. So know who your decision makers are. Understand what pains, threats, and fears they deal with on a day-in and day-out basis, and then I want you to connect the value that you feel you create against those deep-rooted pains, threats, and fears that they experience. Now, that, that might take a little time, but, I, but just, I, I'm telling you, it's so much worth the effort. It actually creates very, very strong breakthroughs. Next, when you get a chance to work with a, with a prospect organization or individual, please don't talk about yourself at the beginning of your pitch or your presentation. I, and it's such a crutch, and all it does is get you in trouble, and no one cares. I want you to think about what it is that they care most about at a deep-rooted level and find ways to ask really good rhetorical questions that actually stimulate the brain, has them lean in to say, tell me more about that. You mean you can help me with that? Because the, the, the deciding part of the brain doesn't make any inferences. It, it, it's not a logical thinker. So we have to take the brain on the journey that we want it to go through. 
And the way to do that is to not start by talking about yourself. It's to actually engage them around something that they care deeply about. Friends, you're listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. Our guest uh, today is Brian Gray, the CEO of the Revenue Path Group. And Brian, you're giving our listeners tons of great uh, information and, and things that they can do to amplify their marketing efforts. I've got one more question for you, and then we'll turn over to Taylor for a rapid fire I'll put you on the spot. I'd, I'd like two examples. I'd like one example of a company that comes to mind that you'd say they have figured out their marketing, their messaging. They have figured this thing out, a company that you admire for their marketing efforts. And then on the flip side, an example of a company that you look at their marketing and you scratch your head and you just maybe can't quite figure out what they're trying to do. Yeah, let's start with the, uh, the latter. The, I think that's easier to see when you, when you think um, it, it, it's, it's real easy once you once you understand brain and how it makes decisions you can start looking very critically at, at most ads that exist out there and in it, 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 whether, whether you're looking at a website or, or a magazine ad you look at it going well so what does this really mean to me and, and and I think that everyone stops so short of it and, and they fail on on many many counts they, they don't spend any effort whether it's a one-page ad or a, a website page, talking about the real pains and threats that they're they're uniquely able to solve. They spend too much time talking about themselves, how long they've been in business, how many employees they have, and, and just watch a presentation that they'll do. They'll, they'll spend the first three or four or five minutes doing nothing but talking about themselves, which actually turns off the brain. So I, I think so many do it wrong. In fact, when I speak all around North America, I've talked to a lot of groups and I tell them the first thing I want you to do is stop talking about yourself. If, if you listen to nothing else I say, the next time you stand in front of a prospect or a room full of people, do not talk about yourself. Move that to the very end of your presentation. And you'll actually start winning more work because it forces you to focus on them. So you'll see so much of this done today where, where too much communication is all about me, 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 not about our prospects and clients and the pain threats that they have. As far as where this is done really well, a lot of companies, organizations come to us and they tend to start at that moment of truth where they, they just lost a, a big opportunity. They're getting outmaneuvered and they're, they're losing deals and projects that they feel they should have won. And so where that tends to, to turn around quickly, and which I'd recommend to, to the audience as well, is to always start at that moment of truth. They're, they're interviewing you and two other companies. And staying with the incumbents, the easiest thing in the world to do. And I want you to think about what is it that we do and why they should choose us and choose us now. And in the groups we work with, we're able to completely reframe the message that makes it all about the prospect and not about them. And there was a, a large construction company out in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City we worked with that that they were on a kind of a losing streak and they were they were just they weren't able to win the project and they, and they knew they're the right group. So we went through this process of understanding the real impact of what they do. What does it really, really mean to them, and how do you communicate in a way that speaks all about them? And I think the first two presentations, they, they won $54 million in work right out of the gate because they focused on how they could eliminate the pain, threats, and fears, even though their competitors could do the same darn thing. <laughs> but the feedback they received at the end was, wow, that was way different than everyone else, and you blew them out of the water. Well, guess what? All we did is we took all the things that they've been saying for years, we put it in a way that uh, makes it about the prospect and not about them. 
we, we organized it in a way that the brain makes a buying decision and create a much simpler pitch that actually lowered the barrier and got the prospect to engage with them more. So those tend to become our, our favorite clients where, where, you know, it's all on the line and, and we've got to win this thing. And, and it's just a really fun exercise and process to work through. Now, where does that manifest itself? You know, then your website becomes a bit more about your prospect than you. So you're able to convert more, more traffic to leads. Uh, your email subject lines become much more engaging. So that, that's where it all has to start that moment, dressing for the business and working backward. Those are, those are great examples. Brian, we're at my favorite part of the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the rapid-fire questions. And it's my most nervous part. <laughs> yeah, as it should be. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor is going to try very hard to stump you with the best questions that, that he can come up with. You are far too bright uh, to be stumped. I'm confident that you're going to have great answers. Taylor, take it from here. All right. We'll try to keep it easy at first there for you, Brian. <laughs> Thank uh, you. What are some things you do outside of the office that help you relax and, and reset? Man, I, well, two things. Uh, I, I love to go on walks with my wife, and I love to watch uh, one of my boys play baseball. It's my happy place that gets me out of the chaos. I've been sitting in the dugout for years, and now he's in high school. I have to sit in the stands. But just, just watching any of your kids play sports is such a, such a wonderful thing, or whatever the activity is. Uh, that just gets me completely off because I, I can't stop thinking about what I do. I just because I love what I do, but I have to find escapes like that, walking or, or watching my kids do things. I oh, love it. Love it. Uh, what is a, a favorite lead generation strategy or conversion strategy that that you would recommend to any client? Um, lead generation, I I think get much bolder. Understand why someone should choose you and why they should choose you now, and then develop out three really good on-point challenging questions go right in that subject line people complain about email marketing uh it's still the most effective way to reach someone uh but most email marketing is horribly bad so understand why you why now and from that once you know the why you why now then come up with three very challenging questions that you know you can back up because that's why you're there in the first place and you'll start you'll start seeing better response when you start with a great subject line and then you somewhat challenge them early and then ask for just a few minutes to show how you can take them from here to here and how you've done that for others. That's a great strategy. I know I, I get probably between uh, 25 and 30 spam emails a day, for lack of a better word, um, unless you're really standing out with a subject line or that pre-header text, it's going right in the trash. Absolutely. What actor plays Brian about Revenue Path and, and why? <laughs> oh my god what a great movie uh, who's the coolest guy going what what a, <laughs> uh kevin costner but he's you know what well, we have to watch uh bull durham every every baseball season but uh i i feel like i'm a kevin costner kind of guy not too you know cool enough uh tom hanks maybe i don't tom hanks could pull me off i think i don't know i kind of <laughs> like the kevin costner i could see it yeah I thank you it. thank you What's the favorite part of your job? Oh, you know, uh, favorite part of my job, I, I love, I love, uh, there's two things I really, really love. I love speaking to people, and, I, and, and I've got, you know, what's funny is I actually run a business, but I, I prefer, as, as Tim saw me speak, and I, I just, I love seeing light bulbs go off, and I love teaching. I'm more of a teacher than a salesperson by far, um, but I, I love teaching people and helping them see a different way because I feel like I, I just, I, I understand entrepreneurship, I mean, entrepreneurs, and, and the, 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 always there's so much noise and chaos in all of our heads, and the world just doesn't see it quite right. 
And I just love taking all this and simplifying in a way where their prospects say, that's exactly what I'm looking for. So I love speaking. And actually, I do get involved with some message, messaging developed with, with some of our clients and prospect, or clients as well. Uh, I, I, just, I just love simplifying uh, what used to be complex because the breakthroughs are fast and they're immediate and they actually help uh, increase margins. And we'll get you out of here on this, Brian. What's the best kept secret in Indianapolis? Oh, best kept secret. Oh, man. Well, I, I tell you, um, uh, you don't have to be a race fan. We're coming up. This is the month of May. And, and this, I think this is an amazingly great secret. The Indianapolis 500 has been here for years. Um, I started take, I started traditionally going with my son about five years ago. And it's by far our favorite with my other son who doesn't play baseball. It's our favorite, our favorite day of the year together. It's just such a wonderful, wonderful event. Um, I say the Indianapolis 500 is probably the best. They're also good people. I, I've lived around the country. Um, we, we tend to come back here for family, but Indianapolis is it's a great place with great people. Uh, Tim, I love Atlanta. It's just too busy for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I can understand that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brian and uh, Taylor. I can't believe that we, we've come to the end of another Small Business Matters podcast. I don't know about you, but I've got a full page of notes. We talked about the three C's, the commoditization, uh, consensual decision-making, compressed selling time, zeroing in on the moment of truth, understanding the buyer journey. What, what about you, Taylor? What are you taking away? Well, a lot of things. And, and like some of the other podcasts we have, just the, the realization that this stuff is not easy, that it takes uh, work and a certain mindset and dedication, um, but it's really important to your business. And I really again, as a marketer, really understand and value Brian's point about the, the 70% of that, that sales funnel that you're not involved with, that you don't even know what's going on. Um, and so that just makes the, the optimizing of that sales funnel and, and the conversation and the talking points that much more important. So just, just the amount of focus and dedication it takes to, to make it all happen. Yeah, you're right. Too. It's not it's not easy. And I think that that all of your listeners being entrepreneurs, I mean, they're they're used to being the tumble out there. And I, I tell you, it, it, the, the effort needs to be put forth, because uh, if you don't do these things, you will become commoditized faster and you become irrelevant even even more so. And I, so I, I think it's hard work, but it's not complicated. Ryan, I know that our listeners will want to follow up with you. What is the best way for them to contact you and the Revenue Path Group? Yeah, that'd be great. So um www.revenuepathgroup.com revenuepathgroup.com if you go to the site scroll down to the bottom there's a there's an ebook as you scroll down the main page that i think does a really nice job uh filling in a lot of the details around what we talked about today i think that'd be super helpful drop me a note um i think there's a form fill out that put your name and email address and drop me a note if you'd love to talk i'd, I'd love to help in any way i can i commend you on the on what you guys are putting forth to put this kind of effort in to just to advance the, the spirit of entrepreneurship, I think, is insanely cool and awesome. And uh, I'm grateful that you thought of uh, having me on, on board here tonight. Well, Brian, thank you. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast and look forward to seeing you here back in Atlanta. And, and maybe one day we'll get you back on the podcast. Thank you for being with us. That'd be great. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brian. Listeners, thank you for listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. This is the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each and every one of you continue to pursue all that matters.